From Psalm 31, our series is called Time in His Hands, and that's exactly what we're focusing on, time, and how to keep it set to God's clock. It's all straight ahead on Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Join us. It's all about the reality of the sovereign, personal God that we worship and serve. The God who holds our times in His hands. He is indeed a sovereign God. We see that in Daniel as well as Ephesians. Welcome. This is Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. If you'll join us, we're looking once again at our series that Pastor Steve has called Time in His Hands. Join us for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Once again, our teacher and pastor now, Pastor Steve Converse. See, God's not this mean old man that sits up in heaven trying to make you do bad stuff. And then when you do the bad stuff, he clobbers you over the head with a a frying pan or something. I mean, that's not the kind of God we serve. I mean, David's trial was definitely a terrifying trial. Someone was after him to kill him. And it says that he despaired even for his life. But God gave him strength to endure. But it's also interesting that God isn't into easy solutions. He doesn't usually remove the trial the instant we seek him, does he? Have you ever been in a situation and you pray, God, please help me out of this. I don't know how I got myself into this, but man, I just can't deal with this. Sometimes it's years before God allows you out of a situation that you've created. He doesn't just snap his fingers and, whoa, all the trial's gone, all the consequences are gone. Boy, I'm just happy, happy in Jesus. No, it doesn't work that way. He always gives more grace when the burdens grow greater. That's just the God we serve. It's only when we trust God in the midst of these severe, distressful times that we prove his faithfulness in our own experience. Often it's, it's the waiting for God to deliver us That's the most difficult thing. I mean, think about Joseph in the Old Testament. He's languishing for better part of his 20s. Some of you are in your 20s. He's in an Egyptian dungeon. His feet are in irons, never seeing the daylight. Well, why was he there? Oh, because he obeyed the law, the Lord, by resisting the advances of Potiphar's wife. You think, well, that doesn't seem fair. Why didn't God answer his prayers? I mean, we know the outcome, don't we? But for years, Joseph didn't know that one day he would be released. He didn't understand that. He didn't know that one day he'd be released and he'd be promoted to the second in the land. He didn't know that at the time. But because Joseph trusted in God that whole time, he could later say to his brothers in Genesis 50, verse 20, you know what, what you meant as evil against me, God somehow meant it for good. See, we never know how God's hand is involved in the trials we go through. I guarantee you, every one of us somehow will be involved in some stressful situation this coming year. But if we prepare in advance by sinking our roots down deep into God and in his word, if we take refuge in him, 
even if the stress is a result of our own sin. And if we remember that God will not allow us to go through more stress than we can handle, we'll grow stronger as a result of it. But there's a second factor here. He says his time is in God's hands. And this points out not just the reality of stress, but it also points out the reality of a sovereign, personal God. Uh, That word times there, David's times, they may have been unstable. They may have been changing. But I want you to understand this morning that David's God was stable. He was unchanging. And, and that's the, the key. Your times may be unstable. Your times may be changing day to day. You don't know what's going to happen. But our God isn't that way. He refers to him in verse 2 and 3 as a rock, as a fortress. We were over in Half Moon Bay the other day, and the kids ran up this, out on the point there, they ran up this one hillside. And it's just real sandy, kind of loose soil. And they're scooting up there, you know. And it's, it was interesting to watch them go up and down. But I could tell one of the kids was a little unstable coming down. And when she finally got down, she felt good to be back on solid ground, on something that wouldn't be going out from under her. And that's, that's how our God is. He's a solid rock. And he says, my life was in God's hands. God wanted him to understand that, you know what? We all die on time, David. Your enemies aren't going to catch up to you and, and kill you in the middle of the night unless it's my will for you because I'm a sovereign God. One of the most comforting truths, I believe, that we need to remember in times of trial is that we are under the control of the sovereign, personal God. It's a God who cares for us, a God who created us. The God who holds our times in his hands is a sovereign God. He uses the same word that Daniel uses in chapter 2, verse 21. It's a Hebrew word for times. In that text, he says, It is he who changes the times and the epics. He removes kings and establishes kings. Our God, beloved, is not sitting on the edge of heaven, biting his nails, looking at everything that's going wrong in the world, going, Oh no, I don't know what they're doing down there. No, he's not that kind of a God. As David wrote about God's attitude toward rebellious world rulers, he says in Psalm 2-4, He who sits in the heavens laughs and the Lord scoffs at them. Even politically, you look at the political landscape of America. It's going down the tubes. Big time. In relationship to what the Bible teaches, in relationship to morality, in relationship to the the life of the unborn. All those things. It just seems like everything's backwards. But you know what? God is still in control. God sees exactly what's going on. God has a sovereign plan for all of history. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 says that he's working all things after the counsel of his will. So that even... The wrath of man will praise him, Psalm 76.10 says. So when tragedy strikes, you or your family, don't panic, don't get stressed out and think, oh no, what's happening? Things are out of control. No, God's not asleep. He's not on vacation. His sovereignty is a great comfort in time of trial. Secondly, the God who holds our time in his hands is a personal God. Notice he says there in verse 14, you are my God. I never thought of that growing up. I was in a church church that taught 
almost that God was somewhat impersonal to some degree. It was, it was kind of like the priest's job to do the, the, the God thing. You know, you were just there to kind of come together and support the church. And you had certain places that you could, in the church, you know, you weren't, unless you're an altar boy or a priest or something, you couldn't just walk up on the altar. It's funny, I bring people in here once in a while and they're looking at something or they have a question or whatever and we'll walk in here and we'll come down near the, the front of the, the, the auditorium here. And uh, I had one guy in here that was interested in, in well, what, drum, what drums does he have up there? So well, come on up. Oh, can't go up there. Why not? Isn't that holy up there? No. <laughs> it's just a platform. Carpet, just like down there. One guy even said, see, look, look, I'll do it. You know, he can come on up here and check these out. And he was kind of like, oh, I don't know. We serve a personal God. We serve a God who desires to have a relationship with us. He's not some distant God that doesn't want to have anything to do with us. A lot of times people view God's sovereignty and they, they, they view it this way, that he's kind of some God that's cold and he's distant. And they have this fatalistic, determ- deterministic kind of view of life. It's like the guy who believed in predestination. Went home one night, got up in the middle of the night and fell down the stairs. He got up and dusted himself up. Man, I'm glad I got that over with. It's like, you know, that's, that's a fatalistic view of life. I mean, turn the light on. You wouldn't fall down the stairs. I mean, sometimes we blame things on, on God's sovereignty and, 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 and all that, and sometimes it has nothing to do with it. But notice what he says in verse 7. You have seen my afflictions. Look at this. You have known my troubles, the troubles of my soul. See, God is not distant. He's not severe. He's not off in some corner of the universe saying, you know what, I ordained it, now you just endure it and shut up. That's not the God we serve. God is sovereign, but he's also personal. He's also caring. If you've trusted in Christ, you can call him my God. Because he knows you and you know him. That's very important. Even during times of trial, you can know that God cares for us. 1 Peter 5, 7 tells us that we should put all of our burdens upon God because he cares for us. You may be thinking at this point, well then, if, if God is sovereign and my times are in his hands then I guess there's nothing for me to do. Whatever will be, will be, you know that song? Not so. Because there's a a third element here that I want you to look at. See, my times points to the reality and the instability of stress. God's hands points to the reality and the stability of a sovereign, personal God who desires to have a relationship with us. But then in that verse in in Proverbs 31, he says, But as for me, I trust in you. That brings us to the third point. What's your response? See, you can sit here this morning and say, Okay, that's great. Uh, God is in control and God is sovereign and God loves me. I get all that. But what's your response to that message? See, that's key. The reality of personal trust. Personal trust in a sovereign, personal God. And what that does is it offers us stability in the midst of utter instability. 
Trust is that vital link that connects God's sovereign love with my distress. (laughs) When I trust God in the midst of a stressful situation, He doesn't always remove the source of stress immediately. He just doesn't. But it still gives me stability in the midst of the crisis, knowing that, hey, He's sovereign. He's personal. He loves me. He cares for me. He knows what's going on. And I think that's where David was when he wrote this psalm. He was still in the crisis. He hadn't been delivered yet. But he was experiencing God's stability in the midst of the crisis because he was trusting God. And there's a sense, of course, in which your times are in God's hands whether you trust him or not. But that's not the sense in which David's times were in God's hands. David's times were in God's hands because David deliberately determined To put them there. He trusted God. It wasn't an automatic response. The word I there in verse 14 is very strong. It's emphatic. David's saying, you know what? No matter what my enemies may do to me, no matter what my enemies are saying about me, no matter what my former friends, where they're at, they all abandon me. I am going to trust the Lord. No matter what. See, that's the kind of stubborn faith that we're going to need as these times that we know them begin to kind of crank to an end here on planet Earth. It was a personal, conscious, deliberate choice. And you know what? Trust always is. It's always that way. God doesn't make you trust Him. Look at verse 2 and 3. Be to me a rock of strength. Then He says, For you are my rock. It almost sounds like double talk. He says, to me, be to me. That's the key. It's a personal trust. What you are in your very nature, O God, a a rock, a stronghold, be that to me in my current crisis. That's the kind of cry out that God wants from your heart. David is, is taking the revealed character of God as he knows it best and he's bringing it down into his own experience, his own personal, conscious, deliberate experience that he's going through. And it's a personal trust. Some of you may be sitting here this morning and say, you know, I, look, I've tried that, but things just keep on getting worse. Well, you know what? Welcome. Welcome to planet Earth. Welcome to the fallen, self-reliant humanity that we live in that's sin-stained and things are going to get worse. That's just the nature of the beast. That's the way it is. When you read this psalm all the way through, you notice that in verses 6 and 8, David almost reaches a point of calm trust. Look at what he says in verse 6 and 8. I hate those who who pay regard to worthless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love because you have seen my affliction and you have known the distress of my soul and you have not delivered me into the hand of my enemies and you have set my feet in a broad path. It's kind of like, wow, he got through it okay. And then look at verse 9. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am in distress. He goes right back down. My eye is wasted from grief, my soul and my body also. For my life is spent in sorrow and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. 
Because of all my adversaries, I have become a reproach, especially to my neighbors, the object of dread to my acquaintances. Those who have seen me in the street flee from me. He goes on and on. He goes from high point to low point. And then he goes back to high point again in verse 14. But I trust in you. And he goes on in that way. You know what? The the way that psalm is written is the way our lives are. Right? I mean, we never just come to Christ, have our sins forgiven, and then we just live on this plateau the rest of our lives, untouched by the rest of the world, untouched by any stress, untouched by any sin, untouched by any, any rebellion or anything that would bring us harm. No, that's, we got to live here. I mean, it would be kind of a neat plan if you got saved and you just got a rocket pack and you're out of here. You're in heaven. The moment you put your faith and trust, you're gone. And you're in the presence of the Lord. That would be kind of a neat thing. But that's not the way God laid it out. Because he wanted us to be a picture of his grace, of his forgiveness, of his love to a lost and dying world. And that could never happen if we weren't here living in the midst of people who have yet to put their faith and trust in Christ. Who sometimes may rub us the wrong way. Who sometimes we disagree with who sometimes have an agenda that doesn't line up with the word of God. God doesn't say, oh, no, no, just go live on a mountain somewhere and become a monk. That's not what he says. He says, no, you're the what? You're the light of the world. You have to be the salt of the earth. You you can't just, you know, take all that and, and hide it away. We have to figure out ways to become elements of, of healing, elements of forgiveness, a path of God's message to a lost and dying world. That's what we're to be. We don't run and hide from the darkness. We invade the darkness. That's what we're called to do. And so we should be focusing on God and on, on Him and, and put our, our trust in Him deliberately. And we do it over and over and over again. This isn't a one-time deal. I can't count the times that fall into my knees and, and utter, you know... Uh, shame before the Lord, realizing, wow, I really blew it here. I need to repent. I need to come back and, and, and straighten some things out. Thank you, God, for forgiving me. And then you move on. Don't allow the enemy to come in and, and keep you at that point. He wants us to move on. The point is basically that trust is not passive resignation to fate. That's not what trust is. Trust is active. Trust is personally laying hold of the character of God as revealed in his word and applying it to your particular crisis. Because when you know the God that David knew, and you know him as your personal God, and you you begin to experience his stability in the midst of unstable circumstances, I guarantee you, it will be a blessing in your life. Even though the trials may not go away. You'll be able to handle whatever stress comes your way because you've placed your times in the hand of his sovereign, personal care for you. When you read through the Old Testament, you notice different people echo this same kind of theme. It was Jonah who echoed a phrase from this psalm when he cried out to the Lord from the belly of a great fish. It was Jeremiah whose message was rejected as a prophet and whose life was often threatened, he also borrowed another phrase from this psalm as his motto. As an old man, even David himself in Psalm 31 took refuge in God by praying the words of Psalm 31, verses 1 to 3. 
But even our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, meditated on this psalm so often that it was his final words from the cross that were a quote from 31.5. Father, into your spirits, I com- into your hands I commit my spirit. See, he endured that, that supreme stress of bearing our sins by entrusting himself to his father, his sovereign, personal father. And that's what we have to do. Some of you parents have had the opportunity to teach your kids how to swim. And it's, it's kind of a, a fun thing to do. But when you take your kids in the, in the shallow end, right? I mean, they can't touch the bottom and you're holding them and they're fine. And you're holding them up. And you start to move toward the deep end where the diving board is. Where they, sometimes they start to freak out. Right? No, 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 no. Even though you still have them. I mean, they couldn't touch the, the, the ground in the, the, the shallow end or the deep end. But somehow they think by moving toward the, 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 the deep end, somehow they're, they're going to be more insecure. Even though you're, you're totally holding on to them. Sometimes this coming year, you're going to feel like you're moving toward the deep end. Sometimes you may feel like, wow, you're going, getting in over your head. And the stress may seem overwhelming. And you feel like things are out of control well guess what we're never in control (laughs) we're never in control God's in control and I think it's just pride when we think we are God wants us to see that we're always in over our heads and the only way that we can get out of that is by putting our faith, our trust in Him. We're, we're dependent on Him for our very next breath. We're dependent on Him for the next bite of food. We're dependent on Him for the clothes we put on our back. Our response to stress, whether it comes from the big crisis or from the daily routine, should be consciously, deliberately, to put our trust in the sovereign personal God who is never, ever in over his head. We need to put our times in his hands. Read the word this next year. Take some time and read the word. Spend some time in prayer. Make it a discipline that will help you grow in your relationship with God so when the stressful time comes, you're ready for it. Sing praises to him in your devotion time. It doesn't matter whether you can sing or not. Can't carry a tune in a bucket. doesn't matter to the Lord. It says make a joyful noise. Just make a joyful noise. Fellowship with the brethren. Very important. Do the things that basically God tells us to do. And then you'll be equipped. Do good works. You know, the role of, of good works is to affirm our faith in Christ. It's not to save us. None of us are saved by good works. Our good works are like filthy rags before a holy God. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't have good works in our lives as Christians. We're created in Christ for good works. Ask yourself, this, this next year, how are you going to discipline yourself to put your hands in His time so you're ready when the crisis comes? 
Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We thank you for spending time with us today and trust we'll see you next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. <laughs>